Mark Zuckerberg told The New Yorker the news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. So listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, the podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you get a rundown of what happened in the world of tech with all the headlines, context, commentaries, and tweets from all the biggest players. New episodes every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. Search your favorite podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Zenni offers thousands of affordable eyewear styles, starting at just $6.95. No ridiculous markups, no hassles, just quality, affordable eyewear delivered right to you. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking news. We learned this evening that this week the Homeland Security Department will ask the Pentagon to approve plans to potentially house more than 7,000 unaccompanied children and 4,000 migrant family members at two military bases in Texas. That's according to an administration official who stressed that these are planning numbers and it's not clear if that many people would actually need to be housed. Meanwhile, tonight we're keeping them honest with the president patting himself on the back for taking action regarding a situation he himself created and the White House still not owning up to it. The gaslighting continues, the White House insisting that you should ignore the facts and believe them instead. Now, as you probably know, more than 2,000 kids have been separated from their parents and placed in detention centers and shelters across the U.S. Then the president signed an executive order meant to keep migrant families together. This was after he and members of his administration said multiple times that only Congress could end the separations, the separations that he himself initiated under a so-called zero-tolerance policy. Now, the policy was to enforce existing border laws in a way that other presidents have not, which brings us to today. At the White House this morning, the president said he has no regrets about signing that order, despite reports that he's questioned it in private. The executive order was great. It was uh, something that I felt we had to do. Uh, We want children staying together. The law has been this law for a long period of time. There was a false story, fake news in The New York Times, just the opposite. I wanted to sign that. In fact, I was saying yesterday before I read this phony story in The New York Times that that I was very, very happy that I signed that. Now, again, this is a problem that the president created by adopting the zero-tolerance immigration policy. Now, the president seems to want to take away due process for undocumented immigrants entirely. Over the weekend, he tweeted, quote, We can't allow all of these people to invade our country. When somebody comes in, we must immediately, with no judges or court cases, bring them back from where they came. Obviously, Sarah Sanders was asked about this at the White House press briefing today. The very first question was, does the president believe that undocumented immigrants have no due process rights whatsoever? Thousands of illegal aliens are removed every month without seeing an immigration judge as a result of procedures in current law, including voluntary removal and expedited removal. Just because you don't see a judge doesn't mean you aren't receiving due process. Now, multiple reporters tried to get clarification, but Sanders only repeated that answer and said the president wants secure borders and Congress should step up and work with the White House to fix the system. So unless Congress acts, nothing is actually going to change. The administration is not changing anything right now when it comes to justice. You mean, are we walking around making up laws? No, because we're not the Obama administration. We're actually trying to enforce the laws that are on the books. We're actually asking Congress to do their part in the process and pass new legislation that will fix our immigration system. Now, keep in mind, the White House can try all it wants to blame past administrations or blame Congress, but that doesn't change the fact that it was this administration's zero-tolerance policy 
that led to the separation of thousands of children from their parents. They wanted it to be a deterrent. They wanted to send a message. They said so on camera. This was a deliberate choice by the administration, and they picked up today where they left off last week, saying they actually want to keep families together. Say that you're working to make families stay together. It was your administration that separated them in the first place. It wasn't our administration that created these laws, but it is our administration's job to enforce it, and we've done that. If someone breaks the law, it's our job to enforce it. Now, true, it wasn't this administration that created these laws, but as we've said already multiple times, it was this administration's choice to enforce them in a way that no other president has. Now, caught in the middle of all this confusion and chaos, of course, are real people, real children. And the major question is what happens to them now? Sarah Sanders was asked about that as well. The law says you can't keep them together or keep the children, even with parents, for longer than 20 days. So then what happens? Hopefully Congress will pass a law and fix the problem. Well, why should it be so hard? They all say that they don't want to separate families. Seems like it should be pretty simple to me. So, again, putting this administration made problems squarely on the shoulders of Congress, saying it should be a simple fix. Except, remember, just a few days ago, the president tweeted, and I quote, Republicans should stop wasting their time on immigration until after we elect more senators and congressmen, women, in November. Our Jim Acosta is in South Carolina, where the president is speaking at a rally for Governor Henry McMaster joins us now. So, Jim, we're now learning that the, the military might need to help house some of these unaccompanied clear, kids. Clearly, this is not... Uh, been a well-executed plan. What did the White House have to say about it today? Uh, that's right, Anderson. The Defense Secretary, Jim Mattis, uh, said earlier today that, yes, there are a couple of uh, bases in Texas that may be used to house potentially up to 11,000 migrants, including thousands of unaccompanied minors. That's the potential if they ever uh, have that need. Uh, but obviously, Anderson, what you saw over at the White House earlier today was another example of how they just try to dodge these questions and provide as little information as possible. You heard this, the White House Press Secretary, uh, Sarah Sanders, say, well, we need resources from the Congress. We need resources to do all of these things to care for these people. Uh, but at the same time, as you just mentioned a, a short while ago, Anderson, uh, last week the president was essentially telling Congress, uh, no, well, we want to wait until after the midterms to have more Republicans in Congress. There are Republicans up on Capitol Hill, as you know, right now, Anderson, who are saying we want to provide those resources for judges and so on. Uh, and of course, that flies against what the president has been tweeting and talking about over the last 48 hours that he wants to deny uh, due process to migrants coming across the border. So you're hearing two different things, conflicting ideas coming from the same party. It's interesting, Jim. CNN is reporting that the president asked Sarah Sanders to lead her briefing not on those children or, or matters of national security, but how she was asked to leave a restaurant this weekend. Uh, I'm wondering why the, the president felt that was so important to, to begin the briefing uh, on it. Well, I talked to a source close to the White House uh, just in the last several minutes uh, who essentially summed it up this way. Uh, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, the White House obviously wants to emphasize what they believe to be intolerance on the left, while at the same time uh, totally uh, avoiding the question of uh, what happened uh, over the past 18 months when the president time and again has not shown civility uh, and not just the president, but officials uh, at all levels of this administration, uh, and not to mention people who show up at some of his rallies uh, and say unkind things, uh, for example, to members of the press. Uh, you know, this is something that obviously the White House wants to put out there, wants to make sure that the public is focused on, uh, when obviously, you know, they could have come out today with a plan for what is going to happen to all these uh, children who have been separated from their parents. We're, we're waiting to hear if the president talks about that at this rally, but as you've seen, 
uh, over the last several days, Anderson. When the president talks about this immigration issue, he tries to pivot and talk about what he feels to be the dangers of illegal immigration. And I expect we'll hear more of that this evening, Anderson. All right, Jim Acosta, thanks very much. A lot to talk about tonight. Joining me now, former Trump campaign advisor Steve Cortez, Republican strategist Anna Navarro, former White House ethics czar in the Obama administration, Ambassador Norm Eisen. Uh, Anna, let's start with you. I'm wondering what your reaction is to the president's tweet saying that when people, quote, invade the country, they should immediately, with no judges or court cases, be brought back from where they came. You know, he tweets so many crazy things uh, that it's almost, you know, hard to know what to do and how to react to the things he says. This one is very serious. Look, I'm going to take uh, the president of the United States seriously any time and every time he tweets. I don't see the things he says as jokes. I see them as deadly serious. Due process is a pillar, a bastion of our constitutional democracy. This guy swore on the Constitution when he took the oath of office. Republicans, we are supposed to be strict constitutionalists, and due process is a key part of that. So, you know, how do I feel about it? I think it's violating Republican principles. I think it's violating American principles. And I think it's something that he cannot do unilaterally. If he wants to try, fine. But I can tell you he's going to get challenged in court, and he's probably going to have a very hard time defending it. Steve, should uh, somebody who crosses the border illegally, uh, not an American citizen, have a due process? Anderson and Anna, I might surprise you. I totally agree with you here, Anna. Uh, Case law is settled on this issue. Once you step foot on American soil, there are due process rights. Not the same rights as an American citizen, by the way, but there are still due process rights. So we would have to have new legislation at the least uh, to see changes there. The president can't do it unilaterally. But I think the bigger point that he's getting at, uh, the president, and and again, the president speaks in a vernacular that the people understand. He doesn't speak in in a lawyerly, measured way all the time, and people actually appreciate that. The point he's trying to get across is, if you come here illegally, you do not have all the rights of an American. Do you have some rights to due process? Yes, I believe you do. Uh, But you also should be adjudicated as quickly as possible, and our laws should be changed so that your removal is expedited, because you have no business being here in the first place. I think that's the larger point. Let's not major in the minors on the minutia of case law. Let's focus on the principle that's important, which is we have a country, we have a border. That's not racist. It's not xenophobic. It's just common sense. Ambassador Eisen, Sarah Sanders today said, quote, just because you don't see a judge doesn't mean you're not receiving due process. Legally speaking, does that make sense to you? Uh, Well, Anderson, uh, none of it makes sense. I have to disagree with Steve. This isn't something that can be fixed with a statute, Steve. This is the damage that Trump is doing with these tweets. He's even flummoxed you. The Supreme Court has said the Constitution. (laughs) You are. You misstated his tweet. He's not speaking in a vernacular. He's lying about our Constitution. He's misstating our most fundamental laws and principles. The Supreme Court held, for example, in the Adventist case in 2001 that once you're here, you're entitled to due process. Norm, the I president directly, that. let me finish, Steve. The president directly, it's not, you said it's a question of Congress fixing it. No, it's constitutional. That's number one. Number two, you said the president speaking in a vernacular baloney. He's denying our constitution, the thing that makes us Americans. That is not something that Americans like. That's why this crisis has caused his popularity to plummet. 
and the American people really? are upset. His popularity is rocketing no. higher. That's no, just, it no, is that's not. fake news. No, it his is popularity, not. Yeah, yes, it is. When his, way, per when his tweet polling, is, Steve, let me finish my point. When his tweet says something that's not convenient for you, you misstate the tweet. When the polling numbers are inconvenient, you misstate the polling. This is wrong. There are 2,000. Here's the last point I want to make. There are 2,000 kids, over 2,000, who have been cruelly separated from their parents. That is a crisis. That is a shame on uh, the Trump presidency. He brought that about. All right. And so, that so, but, is what we should be. I mean, Steve, about. certainly among Republicans, his popularity uh, is is just going up. Uh, among everyone, it's going up per CNN polling. Uh, 57 percent of Americans in the most recent poll say the country's going in the right direction. That is the highest in a decade in this country. So the American people, you wouldn't know it necessarily from watching mainstream media, but the American people are optimistic and confident and the economy is accelerating and they're happy. Now, regarding your points, though, Norman, listen, I I concede. Yes, case law absolutely argues against this. When I say a legislative fix, I mean expediting the due process, which they have to get expediting the the due process so that removal can be much faster, much more efficient. Because if you break and enter into our home, you are not allowed. You do have due process rights, just as a criminal in the United States has due process rights when they break and enter into a private residence. But it doesn't mean that you are allowed to stay here then for months and years and bog down our system. That is the point I think the president's trying to get across there. And it's a point I think the American people agree with. I got to get a quick break in. We're going to have more of this discussion. We'll take you also to Texas, where families looking, uh, looking for their kids spoke out today. And later, the, uh, the head of the uh, Homeland Security, uh, Secretary Nielsen, heckled out of a restaurant. Sarah Sanders asked to leave a different restaurant. Has the lack of civility in our political life reached another new low? We'll talk about it with David Axelrod and Doug Brinkley ahead. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Our friends at Zenni Optical offer a huge variety of high-quality, stylish frames and state-of-the-art optics starting at just $6.95. You can get multiple frames with this great pricing for less than one pair elsewhere. Start building your eyewear wardrobe from the comfort of your own home at Zenni.com. With the latest trends in eyewear, available in hundreds of frame styles and materials, there isn't a better way to change it up for every season. Plus, Zenni offers prescription sunglasses at incredible prices. Visit Zenny today at zenny.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN. Again, tonight's breaking news. This week, the Department of Homeland Security will ask the Pentagon to approve plans to potentially house more than 7,000 unaccompanied kids and 4,000 migrant family members at two military bases in Texas. This comes as the fate of thousands of children who were separated from their parents still is in limbo. Today in El Paso, Texas, parents looking for their kids spoke out. Our Diane Gallagher is there, joins us now. So the parents at this news conference today clearly were upset. What did they have to say about being separated from their kids? Uh, Anderson, for some of the people, they say that at this point they would rather risk poverty and even death than go through this situation because they don't know where their children are. 32 of them came to this charity, the Annunciation House here in El Paso. Only three of them have had a direct personal conversation with their child since they were separated. Some of them are finding out at this point that their kids are across the country in New York or maybe in Chicago, and they're not really sure how to reunite with them. They told stories because many of them thought that they were going to actually see their children when they were dropped off at the Annunciation House. Uh, They say they were led to believe that their kids were there. One man said that it's his daughter's 10th birthday today, and he was so excited waiting for her. Now he doesn't
doesn't even know where she is. He can't find her. Another woman says that she just found out that her four-year-old son is in New York. He, she can't talk to him on the phone because his caseworker said he was mad at her and didn't want to speak. And so we're hearing these stories because Anderson, they say that when they were dropped off at this charity, they were only given a phone number, a piece of paper, no instructions on how to work if you can't get a hold of somebody. The government, they say, has not been proactive about reuniting them with their kids. And look, they're desperate right now and they don't know where to turn. So uh, but so they're out of custody, the, the, the people who spoke today? Yes. So they're wearing ankle bracelets, but the charges against them uh, were essentially let go. They were dismissed, the criminal charges, but they still have to go through the immigration proceedings. So they're allowed out with these ankle bracelets on. They can move around the entire country. And basically that prevents El Paso from kind of being a holding area for people that they release indefinitely. And they can go around the country until their day in court, Uh, sort of similar to how some of this was working before the zero tolerance policy. Again, though, they don't know where their kids are and they were released and their kids are still somewhere across the country right now. Okay, thank Gallagher. Appreciate that. We're going to have more on that whole ankle bracelet um, uh, program, which was used in the past. Uh, We'll take a look at how effective that is. Steve Cortez, thanks for uh, coming back. Anna Navarro as well and Ambassador Norm Eisen. And I mean, Sarah Sanders today said that the president supports keeping families together. Do you believe that? Do you think the administration at this point wants to keep families together? Because that obviously was not the initial policy and they talked about this as a deterrent. Um, where do you think they are on this? Anderson, you're asking uh, me? Look, I'm sorry, no I was idea, asking right? Anna. Oh, I, I, I have no idea. I'm not a Trump whisperer. I have no idea what happens or what goes through his head. What we do know is that uh, what his initial policy is, what we do know is that it's been reported that he is uh, having second thoughts and regretting having signed that executive order. Which he denies. What we do though, know which, right. is that which he denies, as he denies so many other things. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was done because there was enormous national outrage from practically every group and every demographic, including groups that are very important to Republicans, like Republican senators, Republican congressmen, uh, evangelicals, the, you know, Catholics, every major religious leader, the Chamber of Commerce, and I can go on and on and on. So this was not something that he did out of compassion. This was not something he did out of humanity, out of empathy. This was something he did because he was basically forced to do it for the first time. You know, Steve, let me ask you, the, uh, one, there are a number of Republicans in Capitol Hill who uh, have put forward ideas of hiring more judges because there's backlog of like 700,000 cases. Um, there's, there's just a couple of hundred judges. They, they're talking about hiring uh, a lot more. That's not something that the administration is supportive of, certainly not the president. Why do you think that is? Because you talked about, you know, expediting removals, expediting the whole process. Right. Wouldn't more judges help in that expediting the process? It, it might very well. No, and I, I would I would advise the president to reconsider that. I think more judges would be helpful. Uh, I hate bureaucracy in general, but in this case, we might really need a bureaucracy to expedite the process. I think long term, though, and I think this is where the president's going, certainly where Trump voters like me and all the people I talk to uh, who are part of the 2016 movement, long term, these, these are near term fixes. Long term, it's a border wall. That's what we need. That will solve 95 percent of these problems. If it's not easy to cross our sovereign border illegally, Uh, we will eliminate the vast majority of these problems. So long term, we need a border wall. Near term, I think more judges might be helpful. But but you do know, I mean, as you uh, you well know this, uh, because you know this issue very well, 
some, you know, a large percentage of the people who are here illegally have overstayed their visas. So a border wall won't actually sure. solve the problem of illegal immigration. Right. Of course. No, that alone does not. But it will solve most of the border issues. Illegal immigration is a much bigger issue than the border. Uh, but the border, too, I, I really want to point this out. Having a porous and lawless border, which we've tolerated for decades in this country, both Republicans and Democrats, by the way, and I give President Trump so much credit for doing the hard work of trying to take this issue on because Bush didn't, Obama didn't, big business loved an open border for, uh, for free labor, the Democrats loved it because they saw votes. Uh, everyone, I think, was really, honestly, uh, duplicitous regarding the border, except for President Trump. Tolerating a lawless border leads to all kinds of human misery, including these children who are the victims because they're parents chose to break the law with them in tow, including traffickers of both contraband and humans, um, including sex trafficking, all kinds of awful consequences result from tolerating this kind of lawlessness. And a wall will be a great way to reinforce the border and, re- and, and reestablish law and sanity there, quite frankly. Ambassador Eisen, I mean, the White House is saying members of Congress are the only ones who have the ability to change the law. Doesn't this ultimately come down to how this administration, at least for this latest uh, issue on the border of separating families, it comes down to how this administration is interpreting the existing law. I mean, they've enforced immigration laws unlike past administrations. Uh, that's right, Anderson. And President Trump uh, tried to lie about that, too, claiming that this had continued under both Democratic and Republican predecessors. Nonsense. There is a settlement agreement. It's known as the Flores Agreement uh, that governs the situation in order it's to protect uh, these kids. Everybody recognizes that kids are different uh, from adults. Uh, and uh, in order to uh, uh, keep the kids safe, both Democrats and Republicans had kept the families together. President Trump and his administration intentionally tore these, children's from, these children from their parents' arms. It is inhumane. It is cruel. It runs against everything uh, that America stands for. And the American people don't like it. In the Gallup poll, Anderson, Last week, before this mess, Trump was at 45 percent uh, uh, approved, 50 percent disapproved, 5 percent gap. That soared to a 14 percent gap in today's Gallup poll, 41 versus 55. People do not like this. It is not American. Shame on President no, Trump. Uh- Shame on him. Any American, any American who commits a serious crime and might happen to have their children with them will be separated from their children when they get arrested. What you're asking for is actually special rights for illegal immigrant criminals over American criminals. And that's just absurd. It's illogical. It's not the law. Uh, and, And the American people, I think, see through that. They know that. All right. Uh, Steve Cortez. You know, you know that this is not a serious crime. This is people fleeing for their it's lives. It's a very serious crime. To break and enter into our country is a very serious crime. Well, it's actually a misdemeanor, isn't it? <laughs> the first all time. We're it's a felony after that. Steve, it's a felony after that, asking, and it should be a felony the first Steve, time. Steve, all we're asking is that Trump follow the Flores law like both administrations, Republicans and Democrats did, and show some compassion. to These are children we're talking okay. about. Shame on you. Ambassador I, Eisen, uh, Steve Shame Cortez. on me. Shame on their parents for committing a crime with them in tow. Now, I didn't do it. They did. Thanks very much. Over the past few days, Trump administration officials and their supporters were heckled or denied service, while a Democratic congresswoman said they should be harassed in public. Of course, and of course, whatever happened to decent people disagreeing about issues without trying to harass and ridicule each other on both sides of the aisle? We'll dig into that next. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com slash CNN. 
Tonight, outrage over what's happening at the U.S.-Mexico border has led to a new level of political discourse. People are confronting members of the Trump administration and their supporters out in public as they go about their private lives. And Democratic Congresswoman Maxine Waters is coming under fire for encouraging the public shaming to continue. Here's what she said on Saturday. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. This morning, President Trump responded to that on Twitter, writing, quote, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, an extraordinarily low IQ person, has become, together with Nancy Pelosi, the face of the Democrat Party. She's just called for harm to supporters, of which there are many, of the Make America Great Again movement. Be careful what you wish for, Max. Here's how we got to this point. Over the weekend, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders was asked to leave a Virginia restaurant. The restaurant owner told The Washington Post that she explained to Sanders the restaurant has certain standards that she has to uphold, such as honesty and compassion and cooperation. Also this weekend, Florida Attorney General and supporter of the President Pam Bondi got heckled outside a movie. Here's a look at that and others with ties to the White House who've come under fire in public. What would Mr. Rogers think about you and your legacy in Florida? Taking away health insurance with people with pre-existing conditions, Pam Bondi. Shame on you! Shame on you! some public outrage aimed at the Trump administration in recent months. Sarah Sanders addressed this during today's White House press briefing. Here's some of what she said. Healthy debate on ideas and political philosophy is important, but the calls for harassment and push for any Trump supporter to avoid the public is unacceptable. America is a great country, and our ability to find solutions despite those disagreements is what makes us unique. Well, joining me now, CNN political commentator David Axelrod, a veteran of the Obama administration, and CNN presidential historian Doug Brinkling. I mean, David, you, you say when civility is no more, it's actually a, quote, triumph for President Trump's vision of America. What, what do you mean? I mean that, uh, look, I understand the outrage about how this president behaves and about his policies. Uh, he has shredded the idea of civility in our politics from the moment he began running for president. And just the tweet you read reflects that. But I don't think you defeat that. I don't think you change it by emulating it. I don't think a race to the bottom uh, in terms of civility in our politics is the way to go. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I absolutely uh, believe that uh, people ought to organize, they ought to vote, they ought to donate, they ought to run. Uh, but this is not the answer. And, you know, here's the odd thing about this. I mean, not the odd thing. The thing that really troubles me about it is people somehow think by doing this, they are actually taking action. They are making a difference. They, they managed to make Sarah Huckabee Sanders a very sympathetic figure this weekend. They, they riled up the base and divided further the country. The, that was not the intent, but that was the effect. You want to go out 
and, and make change, then make change with the tools that democracy offers. Now, one last point, Anderson, uh, on Sarah, Sarah Sanders' statement at the, uh, at the press uh, room today. She really doesn't have standing uh, to give uh, these kind of pious homilies on the importance of uh, civility in our politics uh, when she works for a president who so gleefully shreds it every single day. She ought to take those remarks and rather than reading it to the country, she ought to march into the Oval Office and read them to the man she works for. Doug, I mean, have you in modern history, I mean, have you seen a time like this? I mean, clearly, as David said, look, President Trump and candidate Trump, you know, changed the the, the rhetoric that candidates used and, and you know, encouraged people to to, he said he'd like to punch somebody in the, in the mouth at one point or in the face, a protester. So there's a lack of civility on both sides. But having people shouted down in restaurants or having Maxine Waters say, if you see them form a crowd and push back on them, I, I mean, we're, this doesn't end up in a good place. It does not. And I agree with David Axelrod's assessment completely. Um, look, our, our history's um, fraught with violent moments and anger. I mean, you just have to talk about the Civil War. Um, look at the way we treated people that were socialist or communist during the Red Scare um, and the whole civil rights movement. I mean, after all, Lester Maddox in Atlanta, Georgia, had a chicken restaurant. He didn't let somebody like Julian Bond, uh, African-American legislator, in and would chase them out. You can't eat at my restaurant. So the mistake made here at the Red Hen in, in Lexington, Virginia, is the idea of booting Sarah Sanders out because the history of kicking people out of restaurants or not serving them um, is, is usually something done by a kind of people that have intolerance. And I think she was trying to, the owner, make it a progressive statement. I'm kicking out Sarah Sanders because I don't like what's happening on the U.S.-Mexico border. But in the end, um, she looks small and it made Sarah Sanders a bit of a martyr. And, and David, it's interesting that CNN's reporting that the president actually encouraged Sarah Sanders to, or told Sarah Sanders to lead with this uh, at the, the briefing today. It definitely has the opposite impact that whoever these people are, you know, kicking her out or yelling shame at somebody in a restaurant. I mean, we should be able to, you know, have a difference of opinion without attempting to, you know, uh, accost people in public life. Absolutely. And look, nobody was happier about these developments than Donald Trump. He was gleeful about it because it allowed him to depict his administration and his people uh, as victims, even though, as you point out, he was uh, encouraged. He'd encourage crowds and has encouraged crowds to attack reporters. And he has said he, he wanted to punch a protester in the face and so on. Uh, and every single uh, attack on an opponent is laced with some uh, nasty personal uh, incivility. So, uh, but this was an opportunity for him to turn the tables, uh, and 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 he seized it, and he sent her out there uh, to say it. Uh, despite the obvious uh, point that uh, he he and she, frankly, are no point to lecture on this. I make this point uh, not. Uh, because I'm trying to defend the Trump administration, but because I'm trying to defend uh, civility as a value in our democracy. And I think those who oppose the president uh, have an obligation not to try and follow him down in this race to the bottom, down the rabbit hole. I mean, you know, we've also seen, you know, gay people refuse service or refused a, a, a service at a, you know, at a baker's uh, and because of religious beliefs. 
I, you know, I suppose the restaurant owner could say that it was my religious belief that I'm imposing Sarah Sanders. It still doesn't, uh, I mean, again, it doesn't have the impact that, that perhaps that anybody thinks it has. No, no it, was, um, it was a gauche move. What she should have done is just said, honey, the food's coming, the chicken's coming, then have slow service. If she had slow service for a while, <laughs> then Sarah Sanders could have walked out on her own. Mm. But by giving her the boot, she lost the um, moral high ground. And what both Dave and I are saying, we need to keep, keep the high ground and not always take the low road. Yeah. Uh, you, ho- you historians are so cunning. <laughs> I, I, I never <laughs> even thought of that. That brings me to David Axrod. Thanks very much. Up next, President Trump tweets again his claim that President Obama ordered wiretaps on his phone just before the 2016 election. Never proven, of course. Uh, false. We'll talk to a uh, he also actually referenced a former Attorney General, Michael Mukasey, supporting that assertion. I'll talk with uh, Judge Mukasey next. I'm Andy Katz from March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways, shooting the ball, I think that's improved. And uh, just my playmaking ability as well. Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Another Keep It Honest report now. President Trump was up early today and for reasons unknown, unearthed one of his uh, favorite old chestnuts, his accusation that the Obama administration ordered wiretaps on his phone just before the 2016 election. He wrote, former Attorney General Michael Mukasey said the President Trump is probably correct that there was surveillance on Trump Tower, actually far greater than would ever have been believed. Now, you may recall that last March, in a series of four tweets, the president alleged without any basis that President Obama had his, quote, wires tapped just before he won the election. Now, keep in mind, then FBI Director James Comey told Congress he had zero information to support those tweets, though he said he'd looked into it. There's also been a lawsuit by a group called American Oversight seeking documents from the Justice Department to prove President Trump's claims. Again, no records found. And in fact, the Justice Department last Friday reiterated in a court filing that neither the FBI nor its National Security Division had any records related to the alleged wiretaps. So with all that, I'm joined now by former Attorney General and Federal Judge Michael Mukasey. Thanks so much for, for being with us. Good to be here. Do you know what the president is referring to when he, when he, uh, when he referenced you? I know, I know what I said. This was a, a statement that I made back in March of 2017, which was about 15 months ago. And um, that was in response to his statement at the time that he, right. had, that he had been wiretapped on orders of President Obama. And I think what I said at the time was that there had probably been surveillance, uh, but that it hadn't been done at, on orders of President Obama. That and was, you were talking about surveillance through a FISA, a FISA court? Based, yeah, based on two reports at, the, on reports at the time that there had been an unsuccessful application for a FISA warrant and then a successful one. And based on that, that there had been surveillance. We didn't. We, we've, no, we've learned a whole lot more since then, uh, but that was what we knew at the time. The um, I'm wondering what you're seeing. I mean, the the recent polling shows that the criticism of Robert Mueller by the president seems to be having an impact. And I'm wondering, as a former attorney general, what you make of that? Does it concern you that the sort of this drumbeat against him is having an impact? Having an impact on what? Having an impact on public um, perception of Robert Mueller and the investigation. Um, does it concern me? Not really, mm-hmm. um, because Robert Mueller isn't guided by and shouldn't be guided by um, what the what the public opinions show the percentage of his support is. So you don't think that would have an impact on his investigation? I should hope not. Wouldn't it, I mean, if I were in his place, it wouldn't have an impact on mine. And I, I mean, he certainly at least 
uh, <laughs> stalwart as I am. Why do you think the president then is doing it? Because, I mean, if it doesn't have an impact on him, does it have an impact on whatever his conclusion I, is? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not, I don't, have the, I don't have the mind reading booth on the Midway. I can't tell you what the president intends. Mm. But the fact is that this investigation has been going on for some time. And that, to go back to the, the allegation of surveillance, that surveillance started based on a claim that a man named Carter Page, who was associated with the Trump campaign, um, was involved in, and people lose sight of this, not just was an agent of a foreign power, but because he was a U.S. citizen, they had a claim that he was involved in commission of a crime in his involvement with Russia. He has not been charged with anything, mm. and nobody's been charged with collusion. And we've been at this for a long time. So, I mean, there's kind of a, there's a germ of, of a basis mm. for um, the complaint. Um, but as far as wiretapping President Trump, I don't know that there has ever been evidence of that. And obviously, as you pointed out in your intro, that it's, there isn't any. I, I want to play uh, just some of what officials, uh, officials formerly for, of the intelligence community, also lawmakers, ha- uh, have said recently, uh, in, just in recent months, and we'll talk about it. I'm asking you, as the future FBI director, do you consider this endeavor a witch hunt? I do not consider Director Mueller to be on a witch hunt. You said at your confirmation hearing that uh, the Russian investigation was not a witch hunt. You've been there now 10 months. Is that still your opinion? Yes. Senator, as I said to you last month and as I said before, I do not believe Special Counsel Mueller is on a witch hunt. President Trump, of course, calls all of this a witch hunt. What do you think of that? Well, I wouldn't use the term witch hunt. It's not a witch hunt. No, I mean, I think that, you know, he's got a job to do. We all understand that. Is he right uh, that it's a witch hunt? Fall. Do you agree with him? No, I don't. Uh, look, I think uh, Robert Mueller has got a lifetime, uh, you know, credibility. Uh, and let's let him do his job. Is it, is it important for the public to have confidence in institutions like the Justice Department, like Robert Mueller's investigation? In or, general? Well, yeah. I, I don't necessarily, I don't bracket those two. I mean, mm-hmm. you say the Justice Department. I used to head the Justice right. Department. Yes, it's important that they have confidence in it because um, the Justice Department is one of those institutions that stands between us and mayhem. So, yes, I think it's important. I think it's important that they have confidence in the military um, and in the executive. Um, Does labeling something a witch hunt erode that confidence? Not the confidence in the Justice Department, no. Um, Robert Mueller is not an employee of the Justice Department, really. He's, he's operating um, under the supervision of people at the Justice Department, but um, and he's sort of in but not of. Mm. Uh, Judge, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks Good for being with us. Um, we're going to check in uh, with uh, Chris to see what's going on in Cuomo primetime, starting in just about uh, 14 minutes from now. Chris? Good for you having uh, Mukasey on. Very important because the president was using him as a source, and now you have full context of what he meant, but this is what the president is so good at. And what we're going to do tonight, Anderson, is try to avoid going down the rabbit holes of the ridiculous. The president giving a rally uh, speech right now in South Carolina. There's a lot of fodder in there if you want to chase it. But instead, we're going to go deeper past his tweets and the symptoms of what is obviously an illness in our body politic. What is going on? Where is it going to lead us? Axe was on to something, David Axelrod, and you have a very good interview with him on your show tonight. We're talking to Antonio Sabato Jr. You remember him from Melrose Place and other things. He's running for Congress. He says it's hard to be a Trump supporter and that the anger is really on the other side, on the left. We're going to talk to him. We're going to talk to Draymond Green uh, from the Golden State Warriors about what he's doing off the court and why the issues surrounding Trump matter so much 
to him. So we're going to go deep tonight. That's how we're getting after it. All right, Chris, see you in about uh, 12 minutes from now. Coming up, an alternative to detaining families or separating parents from their kids at the border with an almost 100% success rate for getting people to turn up for their court date. Talking about ankle monitors, our Randy Kay has the details next. Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes analyst Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Report's The Full 48. For me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of like, all I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The Full 48 is now available on Spotify. And of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Breaking news tonight, the Pentagon is going to be asked this week to approve plans to potentially house as many as 7,000 unaccompanied children at an Air Force base and an additional 4,000 migrant family members at an Army base. That's, of course, one way to keep track of migrants. Earlier in the program, we saw another ankle bracelet. Now, figures show practically all of those who wear those bracelets do, in fact, appear as required. So we asked Randy Kay to take a closer look. You're welcome. Thank you. The clock is ticking for Francisco Javier Gonzalez. He's expected to be deported to Mexico next week. Okay, here. But that hasn't stopped him from working his job as a manager at this popular restaurant in Palm Beach, Florida. Thank you so much for this. Trouble for Javier began long ago back in 2001. He had come to the U.S. at 15 to live with his brother, but left to visit family in his native Mexico. When he returned, he was told the visa he'd used before without any issue wasn't valid. He was refused entry and sent back to Mexico. I basically, you know, grew up in a farm with not much education. They don't really explain you or they don't have someone next to you telling you what you signed. Before being sent back, Javier signed the documents immigration officers put before him. But he and his lawyer say the paperwork didn't spell out that he was banned from the U.S. for five years. So he returned before the five-year mark and was eventually caught. Javier has now been in Palm Beach for more than a decade. Officials let him stay, and now he wears this, an ankle bracelet, so immigration officials can track him, something he still struggles to explain to his three daughters. What is it like for you to come to work today wearing this ankle monitor? I mean, I honestly don't mind. I would rather be working with this than... I've been arrested. And been in jail? Yes, of course. So this is better? Right. Do you feel like a criminal? <laughs> Somehow. Despite feeling like a criminal, both Javier and his attorney strongly believe the ankle monitor is the best option compared to detention and a proven success. It's, it's, there's no comparison. I mean, you're talking about at least having your freedom to move around, be with your families. It's better than detaining people at a huge expense to U.S. taxpayers every day. So they get to track you and they know that you're going to appear at the future hearings that you're supposed to go to. It's a no-brainer. Yes, yeah, thank you so much. Javier has always showed up for his check-ins with ICE and DHS. For a long time, it was every two to three years. But after Donald Trump was elected president, Check-ins were required every two to three months. Then came the deportation order. I don't want to hide anymore. You know, I want to have, I want to do everything right. Javier is the breadwinner for his family, so he's worried about leaving But he says his hometown in Mexico is full of drug cartels and too dangerous for his wife and daughters. It's basically over. My kids will grow up without me. If they made me return, I go back with, like, empty hands and leave everything behind. That's why I have to continue to fight. 
Well, Randy also reports that Javier Gonzalez, who you saw there, has another one of those meetings with ICE tomorrow. He and his attorney fear he may be taken into custody. We'll continue to follow. We'll be right back. So many people around the world depend on CNN's quality reporting. And now they have an incredible online store with clothes, gear, and gadgets. Right now, you can get 15% off your purchase. Just visit store.cnn.com. And when you're checking out, enter the code CNN Podcast. Just one word. And get a 15% discount. It's that simple. That's store.cnn.com. Late last week, we brought you the story of the Salvadoran girl whose cries were heard on an audio recording after being separated from her mother. Uh, those cries, of course, heard across the country and the tape was released. The mother, Cindy Madrid, is still in a detention center in Texas. Her six-year-old daughter, Allison Jimena, is still at a facility in Arizona. There's been no reunion yet and no indication of when it may happen. A second phone call between the two is scheduled for Tuesday. That's it for us. Thanks very much for watching. I'll see you tomorrow night at 8. Time to hand it over to Chris. Cuomo Primetime starts right now. Chris? Are you ready to learn how to build a better consulting or professional services company? Then download the Liston.io show for the best sales and marketing advice so you can deliver your services to the people who need you the most. On the show, I'll be interviewing the smartest people in the industry to share what they know about building a better consulting business. I'll also give you episodes where I tell you specifically how to sell your services with confidence and how to transform into an influential leader in your industry. Your happy clients probably want to help you. It's too hard for them right now. You're asking them to do too much of the selling that you should be doing. Yeah, it's going to move. It's going to change. It's going to disrupt you at some point in time. Your most loyal clients are your most profitable. Ready to learn how other people are building the consulting company you've always wanted? Download the Liston.io show spelled L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O wherever you get your podcasts. Before you go, we wanted to let you know that we just launched the ability for anyone to advertise on CNN Podcasts. You're just a few clicks away from reaching millions of people in a way that you never have before. Advertise for a business event or kick off an awareness campaign for your brand. Start today at purewinning.com slash CNN. Integrating podcasts into your marketing mix has never been easier. Go to purewinning.com slash CNN to get started.